In the future, roving bands of comic book podcasts will savage the wasteland, once known as the Internet. One podcast, the Grawlix Podcast, may not be the biggest, may not be the funniest, may not be the most well-spoken. Wait, what was my point again? Oh yes, the Grawlix Podcast. Listen to it at GrawlixPodcast.com. That's G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast.com. Hey everybody, it's C.J. Graham, Jason Voorhees, Friday the 13th Part 6, and you're listening to Moose's Monster Mash. to another all-new episode of Moose's Monster Mesh. I'm your host, Moose. With me today is, well, probably one of the most notorious slashers in movie history. From Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason himself, Mr. C.J. Graham. Hey, Moose. What's going on, Mr. Paul? How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I'm. Th- this is fun. I'm excited, you know, we were able to get together and sit down and chat. Hey, it's it's my pleasure. You know, thank you very much for inviting me. And uh, thank you so much for all the fans out there listening for their support over the three decades that I've been involved with the franchise and as we go forward. So thank you. So yeah, your life is pretty much Jason. I mean, it's, and I mean that in a good way. Like you look at your credits and it's, Jason has pretty much encompassed your like professional career and that's uh, a pretty cool claim to fame, really. Well, you know, it's like this, Paul. It's Ted White, who's, I think, 94 now. Uh, he played Jason in Friday the 13th Part 4. And like Ted will tell you, of the 100 movies he's been involved in, and I'll say it again, the 100 movies he's been involved in, uh, they only remember him because he played Jason in Friday the 13th Part 4. So how ironic is that? Well, look at, like, uh, Bela Lugosi. You know, he did hundreds of movies. He's Dracula. He'll always be Dracula is what you're saying. Yeah, he, he, he's all... He, he When you think of Dracula, it's Bela Lugosi. You know, that's... Dracula and Bela Lugosi go hand in hand. You know, it's interesting, Paul, because um, you think of Jason in a hockey mask, and, of course, you don't think of an A-list uh, movie star. Uh, you think of Tom Cruise. And, you know, let's be honest, Tom Cruise is top of the food chain. However, the interesting feat is if you and I went to uh, Indiana, excuse me, India right now, there's 1.3, 1.4 billion people in India. And you showed them a picture of Tom Cruise, they'd all say Tom Cruise. You showed them a picture of C.J. Graham, like right now, they'd shrug their shoulders. But if you turned it over and had Friday the 13th and the hockey mask, They'd all say Jason. Oh, yeah. So may not be an A-lister, but you know what? Uh, We have the fan base that's loyal from 7 years old to 70 years old. And I don't think most A-listers can say that their fan base has a spread of seven decades when it comes to the fans. And it's very humbling that the fans out there, 7 years old to 70 years old, all know who Jason Friday the 13th is. It's just so cool. Well, and it's such a 
dedicated fan base because they can just by looking at the costumes they can tell you which Jason it is from which movie and then you know which actor played him it, it, it's so not weird's not the right word but it, it's cool to look at it to you know when you th- when you're looking at the fan base and you're like that's a dedicated fan base when you can take this character who by all rights is just a guy in a mask and coveralls and you can break it down to such minute details to oh well he wore blue in that movie so that's so and so he wore green with a little mark over here that's so and so you know i mean it's it's mind-boggling well that's why i use you know tom cruise as an example you got to remember in 1986 top top movie of the year was top gun (laughs) yeah you know friday the 13th was just there and did well but it was not top gun uh so but as we've carried on over the years, the fan bases continue to grow and grow, and the fan di- fan base has become very diversified. Um, and I do mean this. Earlier this year, before the pandemic, I did do a convention, and a young person came up to me in a hockey mask, and he was seven years old. Um, uh, he was in character, so he wouldn't talk to me till he took his mask off. That's awesome. Uh, so my point is, it's interesting that the the fan base is so diversified. A year ago, doing a convention, I had a, a young lady come up to me and got my autograph. And I asked her, so what are you going to do with this? She goes, I'm going to put it in my desk in my office. All right. Here I'm gonna, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bite. So what do you do? Well, I'm a full bird colonel in the United States Air Force. So <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, you're a colonel in the United States Air Force. And I'm going to walk in as an air person, a sergeant, a master sergeant, a lieutenant. And you got Jason on your back of your desk. Now, the part about that that's cool is it's diversified. It doesn't matter if you're purple, green, or blue. The fan base of Jason is left to right, top to bottom. It doesn't matter. Um, it covers a very broad source of people. Yeah, I mean, he really is the equalizer. I mean, th- there's no discriminate there's real never really been the like discrimination tropes in the jason movies you know where no, J- the black guy dies first or well jason Voorhees isn't it's it's like i said i use i use purple green or blue so yeah. i don't care if you're purple green or blue i don't care if you're from pluto venus or mars jason will whack you if you act stupid mm-hmm. and the nice thing about it is doesn't matter if you're from Pluto, Venus, or Mars. There are fans of Jason. And when you do a convention, um, there's people dressed in suits. There's people dressed in characters. Annie Mae. There could be a, a Freddy going by. There could be just a whole family. It looks like they are just got a church. And everybody's having a good time. And everybody is on equal footing. And there is uh, nobody's making any any judgmental calls there's no narrative other than having a good time jason never really had a type it was if you had a heartbeat and if you got in his way you know so his his whole thing he wanted to get back home and protect his land you know the lake was his land stay off his land 
and stay out of his way, and you could avoid being killed by Jason. That Those two th- rules. That's it. Well, the nice thing, I think, and, and again, I, I was very fortunate, uh, Paul, to do part six, which is in the middle of the series, and very fortunate that Tom McLaughlin, writer-director, and Frank Mancuso Jr., the Paramount Studios, allowed it to be shot. Um, part six really was a good launching platform to uh, start the franchise off going forward uh, conceptually with a Jason that was unstoppable. And, you know, I was really fortunate to be part of that. And then, again, here we are three decades later still talking about it. Um, it's been a humble experience, and I'm, I'm very appreciative for the fans and the people that continue to support and grow the fan base worldwide. You were right there at the forefront of the resurrected, like, Frankenstein zombie Jason. Zombie Jason, Frankenstein back to life. And th- that kind of brings up the, okay, we know for a fact he was dead at this point. With, you know, lays to rest all the other, you know, things. So at this point, he is a, you know, a walking dead man, resurrected. And now he's an unstoppable killing machine. Correct. And, you know, the way Tom McLaughlin wrote it and directed it was uh, coming back to life with a similarity to Frankenstein. And, yes, more powerful, unstoppable. Uh, and the brain was starting to connect the dots and starting to think uh, methodically of his next move or where he was going to be. Very similar to a Frankenstein whose brain is now coming back to life with uh, the electricity thinking and starting to at least get into a much more favorable way of killing people rather than just walking around and whacking anybody who was in front of them. You know, in part six, I was very fortunate, Paul. Um, I always say part six is where you got the uh, James Bond opening. Part yeah. six is where you get to come back to life like Frankenstein. Part six is where I get to have a rock and roll Hall of Famer, Alice Cooper, do all the music. And, of course, part six is where I get to wear a Batman utility belt. So that's pretty cool. That's going to lead into that. I mean, you, you, you get Frankenstein back to life, and then you get to work with somebody who wants people to feed his Frankenstein. So what, what was working with Alice Cooper like? Well, I will tell you the interesting, and, and it, this is how we go for full circle in life. Uh, you know, 46 years ago, I was in the military. Um, a year before that, I was 16, and my very, very first concert was Alice Cooper, Welcome to My Nightmare. Nice. So how ironic, in 1986, I get to hang and do it, and even a year ago, doing photo ops where I put the full wardrobe on, and Alice Cooper and myself do photos with the fans. So, again, full circle, who knew, you know, 47 years ago that the guy that I went to see on stage my first concert would be somebody I've still seen in the last year personally. And it's kind of, uh, it's just kind of crazy. It's, it's unexpected and very, very, uh, a very humbling experience. Started out as a fan and now you're business associates. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how the world works, isn't it? Hey, I, like I say, you just don't know what you don't know. Uh, same thing with you. Who knows when you, uh, this, pod becomes 5 million subscribers and you're off and running and you're going to the next level and you got 25 million subscribers. It's just, it's possible. It's very, very possible. As I mentioned to you earlier, 
you know, you may know Ben Stiller. Well, I did a film called Highway to Hell. I played Hell Cop. Ben Stiller's mom and dad are in it, and uh, his sister, I believe, is in it. Ben Stiller has about a six, seven-second skit uh, where he's cooking an egg on the concrete on the sidewalk in hell. Uh, and what is he, $20 million a movie now? So yeah. don't, don't sell yourself short, partner. It's a hell of a trajectory from cooking that egg, man. <laughs> yep. That's how we do it, Scooby-Doo. Do you always want to be an actor, or is it just something that kind of no. fell into your lap? Part two, fell into my lap. I was general manager of a nightclub and did uh, a skit. I had a hypnotist on Thursday nights, and the hypnotist decided to bring in a special effects production agency to shoot his show so he could edit it down for promotional tape. It just happens that the folks that came in were from Real Effects, and Real Effects happens to be the people that did part four. And when they were talking to the hypnotist about some of the scenes and things they were going to do with the uh, uh, subjects on stage, uh, they said, well, why don't you do a Jason coming through the screen? And, you know, we'll put CJ in the wardrobe from Ted White. They're about the same size, and I think it'll be really great. And when I say this, the rest is history. It is. CJ, the nightclub Jason. <laughs> True story. Um, you know, they said silly things like, oh, we're going to cast you for Jason. I like, yeah, whatever. Right. Uh, when they put me in the Screen Actors Guild, I didn't even know what that was. Um, and then, like I said, the rest is history, doing a few films uh, back then and maybe five or six national commercials, everything from Colgate to AT&T to Gatorade, Miller Beer. Um, so who knew? And then uh, about 91, I finished Highway to Hell and went back to Las Vegas, started running casino resorts. And uh, for the last 25 years, I retired about three years ago as a chief operating officer, general manager over two casino resorts in Southern California. You've led a very interesting life. I've been fortunate, very blessed. Uh, yeah, you think about it, I've been, I've been very lucky. Yeah. What kind of movies and things were you into growing up? Like, was horror that niche that you were into, or...? Not as much as one would think. Um, everybody in my era loved the Universal Horror Monsters. Uh, you know, we used to buy the uh, Mummy, Dracula, Frankenstein uh, models and put them together. So I always liked those Universal Horror figures and the werewolf and... Uh, but not to the extent, I mean, I never saw uh, the first couple of Jasons. And when I went out for the movie, I had to go take a look at what the character represented. Um, I, you know, I've always just liked kind of like action movies, you know, being in the military 46 years ago, anything that's military related, um, bang, bang, shoot them up. Um, there's a relation. I can understand some different things. If it goes back a little longer. You know, I, I liked Platoon, for instance, when it came out in the 80s because, you know, I could relate to all the Vietnam uh, equipment and stuff because I humped it around. So, um, it, you know, I think you're more accessible to a film that you can relate to the character or to the script. What did you do in the military? I was infantry. How long did you say you You like that short answer? I was in the infantry. I was in infantry. <laughs> <laughs> I was a grunt. I was in the infantry. I was a sergeant. Um I was what they call Vietnam era. I went in before Vietnam got over. The campaign ended in 75. I went in early 74. And then we went right into the Cold War. Um, I did my four years, got an honorable discharge as a sergeant. And, you know, I did my job, as one would say. Well, thank you. How has Jason changed your life? 
because, like I mentioned, being Jason has kind of encompassed your uh, professional, like, movie career. So how has your life changed since taking on that role? You know, back then, for the five, six years I did the industry and had fun doing it, um, as I said earlier, you asked me if I really came in to be an actor. I didn't. When I took part in the role of being a stuntman and everything, it was just for fun. They paid me. They paid me well. I think this is great. However, that wasn't what I was looking for when I went down to L.A. I was looking at other options. Um, However, in about 91, you know, I had spent a couple, three years in the casino industry before I went to L.A. And I decided to go to Las Vegas and go forward. So I've always taken what I learned in the military, uh, you know, about leadership and integrity and honor and taken it forward in everything I've done. Jason was a character that required a very methodical thought process and a walking process, very similar to a soldier. Um, And then going into the casino industry, um, you know, I grew from where I had started all the way up to running a billion-dollar casino resort with, give or take, 2,500 employees. So um, some of it was luck. You always got to be good at what you do, but there's always luck to get you there. And once you get there, you better perform. Um, I was always fortunate that I got there and then I was able to perform. So with that being said, you know, I worked for Steve Wynn. I worked for George Maloof at the Palms. I worked for Caesars. I opened the first Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in the world in Las Vegas. Um, So I've had a good background, a good experience. Um, About three and a half years ago, I decided to retire. And I, you know, I have a ranch in Montana with horses. And today I was working on the barbed wire fence. Do you have any intention, any interest in writing a book? You know, I've had that question. My, my, but here's, here's, you know, know your weakness. I can't write worth a shit. Um, and I'm very proud of that fact that my grammar and spelling is deplorable. <laughs> and I can't even spell the word deplorable. So if I was having somebody write for me, I'd probably be okay. Because not only you have to realize also uh, my office is, you know, kind of like most old people got all the relics on the wall from military uniforms to playboy clubs to 1987 i was with chippendales in culver city so my cuffs and collars and color pictures over on the wall um so i've had an experience that i most people don't have um the coolest part in my opinion is i'm one of those people that uh my dad died when i was three years old so i never had a father he died in 1960 um, so I don't have a crutch where I can say, well, God, it, it doesn't matter. I worked hard to get where I'm at. And my college degree is a, is a PhD in common sense, which means I have a high school diploma right next to my four-year college degree, which is my honorable discharge from the military. So if I can be successful, anybody can be successful. You just have to want it. Oh, and yeah. a little bit of luck. You know, being in the right place at the right time and determination. Little luck. I mean, back in the uh, 80s also, I ran a private nightclub for Jackie Collins, Joan Collins' sister, um, in Beverly Hills called the Original Tramp of London, private, members only. You had to get through two locked doors to be, to go into it, and you had to be approved by Oscar Lerman and, and Jackie Collins. Well, membership included people like Sylvester Stallone, Prince, Table 43 in the club, Stallone, Table 5, Two Bottles of Cristal. Uh, Tom Jones would be at the bar with his son, who was his manager at the time. So I've had a very unique 
life, and I've been very fortunate. And today, uh, my choice was to sign another three-year contract uh, as an executive with the casino industry and or retire, run a spreadsheet, make sure I got enough to be okay, and buy a ranch and get some horses. I have some alpacas, and I have a few beehives. And live the dream. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm in a good space, to be fair. Um, I worked hard to get here. Um, I'm not rich. I'm not poor. I'm just here. You're comfortable. Um, so I'm, I'm okay. By the sounds of it, you worked your ass off long enough to where you deserve to be comfortable. And, you know, it's you never live beyond your means, you know, ever. I never did, even though I could have. I didn't. I lived reasonable. Um, which gave me more opportunity. And coming from nothing, my mother raised two boys on Social Security, and I can make the best peanut butter jelly sandwich and pancakes, just for the record. Um, and I mean that because those were my two to-go items, you know, going to school and getting up in the morning. Um, but I will always say that, you know, determination, hard work, some luck, and, uh, you know, you gotta you got to chase your dream. You, you just got to keep going. And when opportunity knocks – you got to grab it. Well, and that leads me to a story I wanted to ask you about. I had heard a story about you turning down the role for Freddy vs. Jason. The, the way I had heard it was that it was because you and uh, Kane Hodder are good friends and you didn't like the way that they were treating him. Is that kind of how it played out? or? Yeah, it's two-pronged. Uh, number one, Give an example, Kane will tell you, I was slotted to do part seven. Um, Paramount said, let's go use CJ again. They were happy with the process. Uh, but before they started shooting, John, who's the writer-director, uh, Kane Hodder, who loves horror, uh, went to John and convinced John to change because they had worked together in the past. So John knew his skill set. John had to go to Paramount Studios, Frank Mancuso Jr., to make the change prior to shooting. Uh, when part... I, I guess you call it part 11 came out with Jason versus Freddy. Um, yes, I got a call about the part. I was, I was running two casino resorts, you know, billion dollars worth of franchise. It wasn't logical to just quit my job and go shoot a movie for eight weeks and then be unemployed. Um, and you know what? Kane had done four of them now. And I think the world of everybody that's been participating, be it Ken, Derek Mears, uh, but I will say he's done four. He's a great ambassador for the series. He's out there all the time promoting it. Um, and most people think of Kane, Kane Hodder, they think Jason, because they all meet him somewhere because he's out there every weekend hustling. So, again, I wasn't going to leave a position. And my opinion when I told my manager, well, why don't they just use Kane? You know, that seems kind of odd. They're not going back to him. And, again, the rest is history. Now, Ken... Finding a story about Ken, uh, who's a friend of mine. He lives up in Vancouver, B.C. Um, he's 6'6". I don't know if you know that. And I saw him at a convention a couple of years ago. And I, he asked, I said, man, you're tall. I said, I'm 6'3", maybe 6'4". And he told me that when he shot the movie, they also put him in a two-inch platform, made him 6'8". Jeez. So he was huge. And he's a great guy, great stuntman. Um, and then, of course, they used Derek Mears in the last one. And if you've ever met Derek, he is uh, a force to be reckoned with. He got married a couple of years ago. Great guy. Um, but I will tell you, uh, Derek Mears' passion, his passion is uh, improv, comedy and stuff. He loves it. And he's good at it. I've seen him on YouTube and a couple of his channels he does. So, 
You don't know. Uh, you know, the way I look at it, Paul, is I, I look at it like this. It's possible. I believe Tom McLaughlin has written a new script. He's been on some podcasts, talked about it. He's trying to get Mr. Miller, Mr. Cunningham to come back to the table. And he has reached out to me and mentioned a podcast that he would like to see if I'd be interested in doing part 13. And I look at it this way. If I can deliver to you, you know, and all your Monster Mash fans, a product as good or better than part six, I'd entertain it. But if I can't give you what I have or better, I wouldn't do it because I don't want to embarrass myself and I don't want to embarrass the franchise. Oh, that makes sense. You don't want to become that parody of yourself and you don't want to, you, you want to go out while you're still ahead. Yeah, but you know what? I'll tell you, you know, if you think about it, uh, Ted White was about 58 when he did part four. Um, I don't know if you know how old I am, but I'm 63. Um, I consider myself. You don't look it. Yeah, I consider myself in pretty good shape. Uh, but at the same time, if there's too much physicality that I can't do, again, I don't want to not deliver a product. You know, when you're younger, you can tuck and roll when you hit the ground. When you're older, you go thump. <laughs> Uh, so you look like you could still kick my ass. I, I'm okay. You know, <laughs> so... I, I can deliver. I can deliver some hurt still. You got to play Jason's dad in what is arguably the most uh, publicized fan film, and that's Vengeance. So that you know that was your return to the franchise as it were yeah well you know paul since i retired three three and a half years ago from running casino resorts it gave me an opportunity to do the convention circuit meet the fans more so i didn't realize the magnitude of the fan base but also do a film uh, vengeance was offered to me a little over a year ago playing jason's father uh, interesting fact as everybody knows in the comics and even tom mclaughlin had an interest in putting elias Voorhees into the series somewhere um, to be able to grow a beard for four months and step into a role opposite of Jason Brooks, about the same size, father-son type of thing, it was fun. Well, and um, you, you get to continue the uh, story between the Jarvis family and Voorhees, because that, that never really ended. Yeah, we got, we got a, legacy go, a legacy going now of the DNA of Jason, and... Uh, I have been approached in 2021 to do uh, blood, Bloodlines, which will be uh, part two of uh, Vengeance. And um, like I've told them, you know, if uh, it comes online and everything looks good and uh, it makes sense, you know, I'll jump in and do it. Um, we'll see what happens. I know that the script is pretty well written and they're doing rewrites on it. I know that Tom McLaughlin has entered to do into it as a couple other fraternity people from the Friday the 13th series. Um, earlier this year in 2020, before uh, the pandemic and everything, uh, I finished shooting 13 Fanboy with Deborah Voorhees, uh, which is the, the lead is uh, Dee Wallace, and you may know who she is, of course. Um, and then Corey Feldman, Lar Park, Lincoln, Kane, Hodder, and a few others are in it. So it's done. I just don't know what they'll do for distribution. It may just go through Netflix. Uh, or one of those alternative streaming uh, channels, but that's finished and in the can, so to speak, ready to go. 
Um, and then I do have a couple projects that have agreed to contractually next year. Um, and we'll see if they line up. It's always if they line up. I mean, everybody wants you to do a project. And now that I'm retired from the casinos, I have the time that I can say, hey, I can come down for a couple weeks shooting or I can take a month. Um, you know, prior to that, running casino resorts goes 24-7, 365. Um, I can't go do a, con a convention or be in a movie set and get a phone call from my casino manager that, you know, this guy wants a half a million dollar credit line and this guy over here is beating us for a million dollars and I'm in the Midwest at a convention or shooting a movie. It just doesn't make sense. So I, no. I stayed away from all that stuff over the years. Now that you've retired, you get to actually, you know, interact with the fans and because, yeah, I've noticed in the last year or so your name pops up on the convention circuit a lot more. And I know you're supposed to be in Moline sometime in the next mm -hmm. year. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it was this year. I think it's called Midwest. Midwest Monster Fest. Yeah, Monster Fest. And the interesting thing about that, I don't know if you know my history. Uh, I was the vice president general manager of Jumers Casino Rock Island, the riverboat in Quad Cities. Oh, wow. 1998, 99, 2000, give or take, right around there. So it would have been kind of like a second homecoming for a little bit. It'll be fun because I, I lived in Davenport. Uh, no, I lived in, in Bettendorf. But Bettendorf, uh, Davenport, Rock Island, and Moline are the Quad Cities. Um, the casino's still there and everything. It'll be kind of fun because I haven't been there in, what, 22 years? So for me, it'll be like a little homecoming. Um, and there's some big fans there. Uh that I've met over the last five or six years, including one gentleman that's a, a detective with the Davenport Police Department, who's a huge fan, him and his son, who's in the military. Well, and Jeff puts on a really good show. Yeah. So I got his T-shirt and everything from this year. So hopefully if everything works out, uh, I think he's got Tom Matthews coming, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, I've got 13 shows scheduled as of today. You're doing better than I am. I think I have one show scheduled, and that's Monster Fest. <laughs> so, and we'll see what happens. I mean, um, there's, you know, the, the big ones are, you know, I've got Texas Frightmare, Monster Mania, um, and then there's others in between. You know, Days of the Dead is the first big one in 2021 in Atlanta, Georgia, the end of February. Um, you know, I think we have to settle a little bit um, with the virus, people starting to get their shots. Um, and then you're still going to follow a protocol for a long time. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, so do you have a favorite kill from six? Yeah, my favorite kill is a sheriff. Um, and the reason for that, Paul, is because there's no blood, there's no guts. That's pure force. Take and break a guy's back like that, like a, like a chicken bone. That's wicked. Say so just the ultimate just pure unadulterated force that's totally hulk well and yeah that's what at, at that point that's what jason had become just this big hulking mass of murder and mayhem you know i mean he could have done away with the machete and just ripped people apart at that point yeah con conceptually when uh, tom mclaughlin wrote a script and had him come back to life like frankenstein conceptually the idea that he was unstoppable and with the lightning that his brain was starting to connect the dots so he was starting to be more methodical so to speak in thinking he wasn't just a walking zombie there was um something there 
Um, so I, I think we were able to pull it off very well. I'm hoping we were. Um, as I said, sometimes luck has something to do with it. But um, when I put that wardrobe on the first time and stepped on set, you know, I had to deliver a product. And, you know, I'm fortunate I think we did. Um, and here we are talking about it three decades later. I'd say it delivered. I mean, the uh, story definitely came across of this resurrected beast that just rips everything in its path apart. And, and like, the first time you see that is when that car approaches him in the, uh, you know, that, that dark roadway. He doesn't care. Well, just there's people in his... Uh, in his way to where he's going, kills him, moves on. You know, he hits one track. He's going back to the lake. That That's where he's going. And that's why I always give my friend Kane Hodder a hard time because in part seven, his first scene that comes on, he's standing out there in, in a mud puddle, basically, and he's breathing. First thing I said, Kane, he's dead. Why are you breathing? Yeah. <laughs> And Kane looked at me, and every since then, I still tell him, don't breathe. It was too late. He'd already started pumping his chest up and trying to look angry. Jason's dead. He doesn't breathe. So I thought it was interesting that he's always had to breathe because of that first scene that he's pulling his lats out and pumping his chest to in imply he's angry. And he's breathing. So he always looked at me and laughed like, oh, damn. You know, but once he started, he's always had, you know, the four that he did. And like I said, Keane's been good for the series, uh, the franchise. And even, you know, you start looking at Derek Mears and Ken's performance all the way back uh, to Ari. You know, everybody had a foot, a footing in the success of oh, this yeah. franchise. I say everybody's added their own little piece to what has become the man the myth the legend that is jason Voorhees, that we know today i'm very fortunate to be part of that part of that um that legion of loyalty fans and part of that series it's just who knew i mean you just don't know i always tell people be careful you don't know you know good karma could come back and bite you good and in this case i've been very fortunate so where can my listeners keep up to date with things that you have coming out in the next uh, couple years or so. Well, what you can do is, you know, Jason six, Jason VI Roman numeral six.com. Um, that's my website. Uh, there's different merchandising on there. And if people have merchandise that they want autograph that they already have, uh, there's an address and contact where it can be mailed to me. And I take a snapshot of autograph and I get it back to them. It'll also have all of my, upcoming shows in 2021 um you can look at it today you can wait another four days and i'm launching a new one which will be a you know an expanded new one um the nice thing about it is it talks about the the events we're doing that we've done but if you don't remember just you can just put cj graham in your google search and in the top five or six will be jasonvorystore.com which is me it'll say cj graham store uh and then there'll be some of the articles you can read and some of the information you mentioned about uh, passing on Freddy versus Jason and, uh, you know, being scheduled for part seven and not doing it. it there's quite a few things of interest. Thank goodness. Um, you know, good things. I don't have any negatives. I mean, that's a positive all by itself. Uh, but I do my best to make sure I, I'm 
grounded, humble, and, you know, grateful to be where I'm at. So I always say, just don't forget where you came from. And, you know, I came from a, a mother raising two boys in the 60s. So, uh, you know, I'm humble about it and appreciative at the same time. You can find the link to that in the episode description for easy access. You can find me and other great podcasters over at electronicmediacollective.com or on Twitter at Moose Media Inc. CJ, it was, like I said, great that we were able to sit down today and just chat and catch up and find out about your life as Jason. Hey, I, I appreciate it. Tell the fans, listen, hey, you guys, all you fans, thank you so much for being fans, uh, not just of the Friday the 13th franchise, but of uh, Moose's Monster Mash. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Paul, uh, the, the Moose himself. Anyway, um, but thank you so much. I'm very humbled to be here, but thank you. Like I said, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on, and uh, I look forward to the upcoming projects you have coming out, and probably see. Well, I'll you. see you. I'll see you in Moline, then, right? Yeah, I'll say I'll see you in person in Moline. Right. And Don't forget who I am. Yeah. I say terrible with names, great with faces. <laughs> I get you. I'm, you know what? Running the casinos and dealing with so many thousands and thousands of premium players i was awful with names uh but i was really great with faces and what they did and you know how many people they had in their family and stuff but when it came to the name like you asked me earlier about writing a book my grammar and spelling are so bad uh i know my weakness and i know my strengths my strengths with faces and i have a memory worse than an elephant when it comes to numbers statistics algorithms and those type of things I'm just a natural calculator. But when it comes to the names, oops. <laughs> so, but I appreciate it, Paul, so much. And again, all the fans, I uh, look forward to seeing some of you in Moline and wherever uh, travels take you. Everybody stay safe, healthy. I can't say it enough. Practice, you know, wearing your mask. I wear mine everywhere I go. It's not that it's a right to me. It's just I, I'd feel terrible if I got somebody sick. If I happened to be sick, I'd feel awful. Um so I wear my mask every time I go out the door. Listen to him, folks. He's the masked killer. Hey, I wore a mask before it was uh, unfortunately a necessity, so go figure. Until next time, horror hounds. Mash on. This has been Bruce's Monster Mash. Come back for more chills and thrills. Whoa! <laughs>